For so many people, Sex in the City has become a model for the ideal New York City experience. And as much as I love a handbag and Cosmos with my friends, here we're pulling back the curtain. Forget the glamour shots and cue these real stories of artists navigating the concrete jungle, conquering Broadway, and finding their spotlight. This isn't just a podcast, it's your front row seat to a community of individuals sharing how they're living their authentic truth. This is the Bradshaw Effect, where you're not just a listener, you're the main character of your own story. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of The Bradshaw Effect. Oh my goodness, you all, I am so excited about today's episode. Um, We have on the incredible Kennedy Kanagawa, who you might know as Milky White from the recent City Center transfer of Into the Woods that made it to Broadway, starring names like Sarah Bareilles, Brian Darcy James, Stephanie J. Block, Bettina Miller. The list could go on and on because that cast was stacked with people that we know and love. I am just so grateful that I got to sit down and chat with Kennedy about Into the Woods and other shows in his career and just, you know, all about the industry and there's just so much goodness, so I don't want to waste any time getting to it. So without further ado, put your hands together for the one and the only Kennedy Kanagawa. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, first of all, so much for doing this. I yeah, thanks for am so Oh my God, of course. So why don't we just jump right on in and you talk about your journey to this uh, crazy industry in this crazy city that we we find ourselves in. What was that like for you? Yeah, a uh, very wild uh, journey, kind of an indirect route. Um, I So I'm originally from uh, Tokyo, and I did like, theater at my school and then um, moved to the States when I was 10. And a friend of ours who from Japan who had also moved to the states a couple years prior was like oh I'm in Les Mis on Broadway as young Cosette your mom should talk to my mom about <laughs> like meeting with my agent so I like on a vacation to New York got, um, we randomly went to go talk to this agent and she was like all right well do you have time to go to appointment in 30 minutes so well I like started working with that agent and so I would I did I was like a child actor mm-hmm. and then when I was in high school oh no no going into college I was like I want to s- study and, and really like have a college experience so don't call me <laughs> four years and then I graduated from college and I was like oh I have no idea what I'm doing as an Mm. adult (laughs) so then and then I was like do I want to even be in this industry so I like wrestled I, I think I made the decision to quit acting like three different times yeah I realized like, wow, I have so much social anxiety and this is a really, and I'm very introverted and it's like, oh my gosh, this is a very people oriented <laughs> business. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I eventually made peace with like, I think I have to do this because I don't think I can see myself being happy in any other field. Mm. 
Um, and the minute that I made that decision, I started working again, yeah. <laughs> which was like, I think aside from the universe. Yeah. And so then I uh, got an Instagram message from my friend, James Ortiz, uh, who was like, hey, what are you doing? This was in 2022, I think in March. And he was like, hey, what are you doing in May? And I was like, I don't, I think I'm free. What's up? And he was like, okay, I recommended you for this really short gig. Uh, City Center is going to do like a 10 performance into the woods reading like presentation thing and i'm building the cow for it would you want to do that and i was like uh yeah it was with cerebrellas and mph i'm like cool great little gig and then um <laughs> it was really successful and exciting and it transferred to broadway and so we did it on broadway and i made my broadway debut and then uh after our limited run extended a couple times, finally ended in January of 2023. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, hey, we're going to do a limited six-month engagement tour. Do you guys want to do that? And basically the whole company was like, we're not ready to say goodbye to each other. So we, yeah. went, we did a tour for six months, and that was my first tour, which was really fun. Um yeah so didn't it was very whirlwind i think i still have whiplash from the whole thing <laughs> no auditioning or anything it just kind of happened wow i mean what a gift too like how that thing just truly took off and became the phenomenon that it was i mean i think so many people knew that it was probably going to be a hit but i mean for it to have blown up as much as it did. I mean, we were just, I think the world was ready for, for Into the Woods and especially the everything that that specific production brought to the table, I think as well with the people involved and, um, you know, the, the creative team behind it and just what was put on that stage was just incredible. So, so it's no shock to me, at least that, that it was the success that it was. Yeah, I think it was, um, we talked a lot about the importance of that show as the first Sondheim production in New York mm -hmm. after his passing. And also James Lapine talked to us about how this show weirdly seems to arise when it is needed the most because it is a show that deals with such beautiful and deep mm -hmm. um, themes, especially around grief and healing and the original production happened amid the AIDS crisis, and then the first Broadway revival was right after 9-11, yeah. and then our production was amid a global pandemic and lots of other craziness happening in the world. So I think that there's definitely something really healing about Into the Woods. Um, so I, I was just so lucky to get to be a part of that when it happened. And it's one of those things, too, I feel like every time me personally that I watch Into the Woods, I feel like I take something different away from it every time I watch it. Like one time I might take this away, one time I might take this away. And this last time with the production that you were involved with in particular, um, the whole concept of children will listen hit a little bit harder than I think it has in the past. 
especially in today's society with certain things like for me it kind of hit in particular with the targets against the lgbtq community and the trans community and the drag community with this whole perception of these you know higher figures you know casting the spell onto younger people in terms of what to believe and what to think about certain groups. And that's the takeaway, one of the main ones that I took away this recent time, just because of the state of the world and um, amongst the other things, obviously in the show, but it's it's just one of those those little goodies that, that exist in the canon of the MT and Mr. Mr. Sondheim knew what he was doing. <laughs> yes, he did, absolutely. I have to ask about Milky White. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I I would be silly if I didn't. So, Milky White, that puppet, what was your first reaction whenever whenever Milky White was handed to you for the first time or that you, you saw her? So, <laughs> so, like I said, this was all very fast. I'd never puppeteered before. Um, I didn't know what I was getting into, but I trusted James implicitly. <laughs> and it really helped that we were already friends because yeah. the the turnaround time for shows at City Center with Encores is already insane. Yeah. Just to, you know, stand there with the script and sing and say the lines <laughs> in a way that is coherent, <laughs> let alone puppet puppeteering <laughs> i don't know how anyone is expected to do that so james <laughs> was like okay i built this puppet and we don't start rehearsals till next week but like why don't i just come over to your apartment and we can like play with her she's like great so the first time i met her was in my living room james and i were just sitting around trying to figure out what this thing was and and how what her movement vocabulary was and how yeah. bring her to life yeah that that was my first experience and then he ended up leaving it at my apartment for me to just play with on my own <laughs> so the very first rehearsal i think my my fiance has a video on his phone of me leaving the apartment for my first day of rehearsal <laughs> and i'm carrying the cow like slung over my shoulder getting in an uber and i'm like this looks so weird <laughs> like you know because also already first day of school vibes is you know you want to make a good impression and i'm like i'm carrying this crazy cow puppet <laughs> coming in with the cow coming in hot with the cow yeah <laughs> but that's, it was definitely love at first sight <laughs> that's amazing and i'm sure i mean you saw all the things that people were getting tattoos of milky white like all of the the insanely deserved hype around Milky White made my day from afar watching all of it on social media, like the tattoos, the shirts, the merch, all the different things. People were crazy for her. Yeah, that was really wild to see. It was exciting to see how much she was resonating with people. Um, I've I've met Ashley Hufford a couple times. I love her. She got she was the first Milky White tattoo that we saw, which is crazy. <laughs> and it's a really cool tattoo. I think I think there are three that James and I try to like text each other and be like, did you see this one? Um, so that's fun. We yeah, we just had no idea how much people would identify with this cow made out of cardboard. Yeah. But I think what helped was James had this really great vision of when we developed her physical life instead of basing it 
off of a literal cow because I don't know if you've ever seen a cow in real life. They're really boring and they don't move. They just like <laughs> stand all day. So if we were to make this character interesting at all, to base it more off of dogs and cats, mm-hmm. um, and especially with that dynamic with Jack, in order to make the the stakes of losing Milky White higher and resonate more with the audience about like losing your beloved pet. Yeah. So yeah, it was exciting to see people be like, oh, it made me think of my dog or my cat. So. I have the moose shirt in my closet. You do? <laughs> okay, wait. Crazy story with that. My bestie from college, uh, as a present to me, she made me that shirt. It was, I think it was a, a black sweatshirt that just said moo on it. Uh-huh. Um, and when we were in rehearsals for the Broadway transfer, Sarah Bareilles was like, oh my God, that shirt is amazing. And she just pulled me over to the producer who was sitting on the side of the room and she pointed to it and she was like, (laughs) we have to sell this. And so they (laughs) made like official merch and my friend got, got compensated for it. And now that's amazing at, um, AKA the like theater PR she she does copy now for yeah life. so it's just that's a amazing random small world and it kind of ties into this theme of like everything is just kind of happening and it's not the traditional route or i think you know i think that there is no traditional route i think that when we are in school we are if you go to school for theater you are told that these are the steps to success in this way that is kind of rigid yep. and that's just not true and I don't, and <laughs> my experience is not atypical i think that the theater industry especially in new york is way less about having the perfect 16 bars in your book and more about being a genuine human being that people like to work with because so many of these turnarounds are crazy quick and when you're auditioning it is a job interview and a lot of times creatives are going to want to make sure that the person that they're working with and spending all day every day in a room with are going to be people that they like in addition to being talented because everyone is talented in New York. So I think that that's definitely something important for younger actors to keep in mind. Um, My internal monologue was screaming yes that whole time, like at the top of the lungs, like just like, because, and you know, that's exactly why I started this podcast because whenever I moved to the city, I wanted to, you know, uh, just try to get my bearings the best that I could and, and make my way through the industry and grow as the best I could, whatever it was. And when I got here, I realized that there is no one correct way to do whatever you want to do, whether it be in this industry, another industry, whatever it might be. There is no rule book. There is no step-by-step guide on how to be successful, quote, quote, your definition of successful. Um, So I was like, let's start a community of people and share our stories of how we got here in the business and how we are, you know, 
making our days fruitful with whatever it is we're, you know, doing because the other thing, which is a hot take with a lot of people that I, I talk to is I believe that you can't have your whole life cannot be involved in the industry because I think that's just such an unhealthy balance and you're putting all of your joy on this idea of something happening or something being achieved. And that's not a fulfilled life to me. Um, and it's, you know, incredibly important, I think, to to share our stories so everyone knows that, you know, you can do it in any one any way. There's not there's not one set way. So um, you you hit the nail on the head with that one. <laughs> I totally agree with you, though. Yes, I think that this industry is so just from the way that it is structured, so inherently competitive. Mm -hmm. But I think buying into that mindset is not only so exhausting, but it's also not constructive because while it is competitive, just because of the number of people for uh, the finite number of jobs that there are out there, it is also a community. And I think fostering community is such an important way of of working and, and recognizing that you are all in this together and and theater isn't life in uh like as a monolith yeah and you can get joy from your job and also do other things and also exactly. it doesn't always have to be your job it you know there are so many different levels and layers to our experience and relationship to theater as an industry and as an art form and you bring up a good point talking about community and, and fostering that community around you a lot of I've, I've especially since i started the podcast i've gotten a lot of comments from people just saying how are how are you talking to all these you know amazing people how are you doing this and that and you know you're really good at networking and the word networking i get like major ick vibes i want to like fall over backwards i hate it and i always have to stop people right then and say i am not networking I am, you know, the people I reach out to are people that I want to build a connection with, whether that is potential collaborators, whether that's, I just want to talk to somebody and just get to know them better. Because like you said, we're all in this together. Well, that's what it's about. <laughs> totally. I think, well, when you said the word networking, it triggered something in me because I always heard from the supposed theater professors oh, um, yes. who would say that networking is crucial. Mm -hmm. um, and I always had an aversion to that. Yep. I always said like, oh, well, not me. I'm going to make it to Broadway just based off of talent or something like that. But my understanding of what networking was was not what it actually is because I thought that networking was going to a party or a, I, I imagined like having a martini in my hand and like schmoozing with <laughs> randos that I don't know and, and acting, you know, greasy and slimy. And that doesn't exist. I don't know, maybe in other industries, but we don't, that is not what networking is. In theater, networking is just doing a good job whenever you are working mm -hmm. and being 
kind and compassionate and respectful. Like I will do a reading, like a 29 hour reading. And that is networking. If I, if I'm doing the work and I am showing that I'm always on time, I, I know my material and I'm enjoyable to be around then that person is going to be like, oh, hey, uh, I, 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 you were looking for recommendations for this thing. Uh, here's a few. Oh, and Kennedy Kanagawa. That is that is how I've gotten most of my work, just from people making recommendations based off of other things. Yep. Um, and that yes, goes into this idea nice. with the industry. You can literally hold it in the palm of your hand. Yes. Like in, it's in, you know, everyone that I talk to, it's the same thing. It's why be anything but kind, you know, especially in this in this business where um, there is just so many people. It's just like what you're saying. People want to work with people who they know and love and know are going to work hard and do the work. But at the end of the day, just be a good human to be around and collaborate with. And so why be anything but that? Don't be a slime ball. <laughs> exactly. Don't be a slime ball. I'll make that a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> that's the name of the episode don't be a slime ball Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and that was another thing about into the woods that was so refreshing to me was i mean not only getting to meet all these freaking icons that i've loved forever but being like oh you are genuinely nice people with no ego yeah. and that's why you continue to work and work and work. It, there are very talented people in our business um, that might find success, but it's a much harder road if you are difficult and if you are rude and disrespectful. And I have seen how much shorter lived those careers are. And people roll their eyes at it and say it's so cliche to say that, but it's so true. And that's why I always say it as much as I can, because it's being said so many times for a reason, y'all. <laughs> yeah, totally. And you know what? Like, learn people's names. I think that that is a huge thing that is often overlooked. Like, learn the name of the person that works the door. Learn Learn the name of your crew. That is another sense of community that I some sometimes I feel like gets lost. Um, and is absolutely so important if you want to genuinely connect with the people that you are working with. The other thing, you know, you were talking about the group of it into the woods and just, you know, no egos and just that community. And I have to say, as someone who watched all of your posts and everyone else's posts from from the gram and the socials, it, that comes across. Like every every interaction, whether it be a silly, funny one or, you know, a sincere one where someone's watching someone else perform from from the wings, you get that sense of community and you get that sense of just how good of people everyone was. And um, so I and I also kind of wanted to go into that about from your experience, you know, building that community. Um, how how was that being in the room with all those people? And I mean, you all were together for quite some time, some of you. So. Yeah, I mean, it was just so special. I think that everyone off the bat was so loving and generous and compassionate 
that it really fostered the community that I think was so important for telling that story successfully. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Even when the cast would change as we extended, we would be so thrilled to get a new batch of people that were just as wonderful. Yeah. Um, the the support uh, every time someone new would step into a new role, whether that was a new person joining the company or an understudy going on for the first time, we always tried to come together with intention uh, to make sure that everyone felt loved and supported. And that's just part of what was so special. I remember when we opened at the St. James on opening night, Pippa Sue and Gavin Creel organized for the whole company to meet on stage before half hour. And the Broadway debuts were asked to come a little bit later. So we showed up, everyone was on stage wearing uh, name tags and they had written in marker the names of their Broadway debut shows and the year. And so then they had all the Broadway debuts come forward and write Into the Woods uh, 2022. Uh, and oh, I love that. And then they had us all stand in a huddle at the front of the stage and look out over the house. And Pippa read some statistics, like being on Broadway statistically is less likely than being in the Olympics. And uh, then everyone came together and they put their hands on us and they just had us take in the space and we all did some breaths together and cried a whole lot. And it was, that's just like one example of all of the kindness that was shown to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, That was part of what made the show so special. That's amazing. I would love to pivot a little bit and talk about new works because I know just by you know looking at your your socials and stuff that I've seen from you is that you seem to love to be a part of new projects. So I would love if you could talk about you know what that's like being a part of new projects a little bit. I would love to. So I have done so many readings, and if you if people don't know what a reading is, it's you know typically a twenty nine hour reading is. The name of the contract and you don't get your actors for longer than 29 hours so it's typically over the course of one week where you sit down and you learn the show to hear it out loud and that can either be just for the writers so they they can hear the material out loud and know how to continue drafting the piece or if it is further along in the process and it's for investors to come to the presentation and see if they want to invest in bringing it to the next step i've done a lot of those and <laughs> barely pays but it is really exciting to be at the ground level with new pieces yeah the crazy thing is that so few of those ever end up continuing on this past fall i did um the world premiere production of tiananmen the musical um at phoenix in phoenix arizona and I did a couple of different readings 
and iterations of that show over the past few years. And I think that is the very first show that I have done a reading of that got a full production ultimately, which was so exciting. Wow. I'm so excited by New Works because as a queer Asian mixed race actor, I never saw myself in roles growing up. And when I was in roles, it was edgy casting, alternative casting, which is great. I think that Into the Woods with its diversity is a different story that was also so incredible to be a part of. The really wonderful and exciting thing about New Works is how many new and different stories are being told. And Tiananmen is a perfect example of that. It was an all Asian cast. And so many of the actors in that cast were like, I've never been in a show where it was just AAPI performers. Mm -hmm. And I think that says a lot about the industry and makes me excited for the next generation of musical theater and what that is going to look like on the stage. I mean, there was a moment in Into the Woods where we had a couple of different understudies on. Anne Harada, who I've known since 1997 when I played her son, <laughs> she, <laughs> uh, she was just sitting in the wings before, I think, you know, at, before curtain, just sobbing because I I was on, she was on, Albert Grazan was on as Cinderella's father, Delphi Borch was on as Little Red, Brooke Ishibashi was playing Florinda, and uh, Sam Simak had just joined our company as a new understudy. I don't think he was on that night, but there were five Asian American actors on in Into the Woods on Broadway. I'm going to get choked up because that never happens. And Anne Harada has been in the business forever. And she's like, you never see this, this, and it's, we're all on stage and it's not a gimmick. We just all happen to be Asian American and performing in this show at the same time. And it's not Miss Saigon and it's not the King and I. So that was really uh, exciting and worth celebrating. And that's again, back to new works, why, I think they're so important and I look forward to being involved in more of them. So as we kind of go to wrap this up, one of my favorite ways to end um, each podcast recording is to ask uh, the guests that I have on about something, whether it be a piece of advice that you want to pass on or maybe some advice that you were gifted at some point in your career um, that has really shifted your your mindset um, and how you kind of move through your career in life that you would like to pass on? You know, I think that if I was to give advice, I would just reiterate what we were saying earlier about leading with kindness and compassion in your field and also just kind of embracing your authenticity and I think a lot of times we try to conform to the more rigid tracts that the industry tries to establish for us yep and the pieces 
that I am most excited to see and also be a part of are the ones where that mindset is thrown out. And I think the more that we buck that system, the more diverse stories we're going to be seeing in this new generation of works. And I think that's something to celebrate. Absolutely. At the end of the day, being authentically yourself is all you can do. And it's important to do that. Um, it's so like much we were, more interesting to watch. So much more interesting. Like that's I and I was talking with some uh, people in a little friendship circle of mine this past week about just material that we bring into rooms and this idea of the overdone song i put that in quotes and about how like they're like do not sing songs and i was like listen hot take granted people might have a different opinion i don't give a fuck what you sing <laughs> if you if something makes your heart sing and that fills your heart with joy and happiness and that's going to allow you to be authentically yourself in a room bring memory from cats in if that's what's going to get you to yes! unlock that then bring memory in <laughs> i couldn't agree more yes absolutely because it's why waste time making yourself be anything but you when if if it's that simple then do it heck yes i completely agree kennedy i have absolutely loved 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 getting to talk with you and and just geek out about the biz and and all the things um in there so thank you again for for coming on here and chatting with me i really appreciate it this has been such a joy thank you so much it was of a nice course time. nice talking with you well, everybody, and just like that, we're at the end of the episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Make sure you uh, subscribe on all platforms that you listen to your podcast so you don't miss an episode. But yeah, hope you all have a great morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this, and I'll talk to you all later. Bye! Bye!